Hello, and welcome to The Gray Area, where I give interviews with developers, talk about gaming news and reviews, and focus on the interrelationships between gamers. My name is Genesee Gray, and this is the 48th episode in a weekly series called Gamed in Gaming. Last week's episode was a discussion with several guests about their experience this past year in 2011 with service in gaming. Please visit www.genesee.com to add to the forum discussion on that topic and to tell me your story. Today is Monday, January 9th, and today I discuss gaming news, interrelationships for developers, upcoming games I'm excited about, and any news worthwhile about CES. Let's start with news of the week. News of the week. The Silent Hill Collection is coming out January 24th for PS3 and Xbox 360. Soul Calibur 5 is coming out January 31st for the PS3 and the Xbox 360 as well. And soon, very soon, Final Fantasy 13 2 is coming out on January 31st for the PS3 and Xbox 360. And this has an average score of about 7.5. I'm kind of anxious to see what it's like as well, being a fan of the Final Fantasy series myself. Also, CES was this week on Tuesday. And uh, there was not a lot from Nintendo, who was not going to be showing anything new this year. And everything pretty much gaming-related, apparently we have seen from the tech demos from E3. So not a lot to talk about from CES this year, but there it was on Tuesday. Madcats has released a new console controller, which is pretty neat looking. It's customizable in any way you want. You can take different parts of it out, such as the joystick or the button pad, and kind of move things around on the controller so you can have them where you feel is the most convenient for your gameplay. It will recognize what's plugged in where and then just adjust the functions accordingly. So let's say you maybe like an analog stick to the one that comes in. You can just swap it in and out. I'm sure they'll create many other pieces you can swap in and out for customization. And each one comes with a carrying case lined with foam because the controller is $100, so you don't want to drop it. It has its own special little carrying case just for you. You can even swap out the face plates accordingly, so you can change the look of it. I'm sure they'll come up with different colors other than the matte or shiny glossy version. I'm sure you'll have pink and blue and all the rest of that eventually too. So that's pretty neat, a controller that you can customize on your own. Also a thanks to Lisa for bringing to my attention Project Fiona. Razer announced their new gaming tablet PC hybrid, which, wow, For someone like me who loves my iPad, this is very exciting. It looks like very much like an iPad with two controllers, one on each side. It combines elements of a PC and a tablet into one gaming platform, which this is something useful that came out of CES. Uh, Definitely something to talk about. It has an Intel Core i7 processor, so it can run the higher PC games. It was running Assassin's Creed Brotherhood in the demo, so hopefully it can handle some of the higher-end games and uh, not be too laggy or have to be scaled back as far as visual effects. It does not have a mouse or a keyboard. 
Uh, it has a built-in controller, like I said, one on each side. It's, it kind of looks like someone is steering a car or flying a plane when they're holding this. It's kind of neat. It has Dolby 7.1 surround sound, and the CEO says, quote, The user interface we have designed for Project Fiona allows all existing PC games to be played right out of the box and also provides game developers new opportunities as they develop next-gen games on a highly intuitive platform, says the CEO Min Liang Tan. And no release date for when this is going to be out soon. However, you do kind of wonder what kind of Wi-Fi capability it will have, if you can have Steam on it, um, if they're going to have ports that you could plug in, peripherals, things of that nature. Kind of interesting things to see uh, in the future, how they're going to handle this. Also, some other news. Um, Diablo 3 has has uh, one step closer to being released on the PC console. We knew already that Blizzard was experimenting with a console version of that in the tweets that I had said back in September. So now it looks like they're going to be uh, even closer to that. So yay for me and other people who like to play it on the PC. Looks like Diablo 3 will be possible for us very soon. There was also kind of an interesting article on Kotaku recently about game consoles that were made by, they're calling them slave labor, but people in China who are being paid very little to kind of turn out assembly line consoles. And the article goes on to say, and I'm going to quote, slave labor is a word tossed around loosely and factory workers in China are free to work wherever, or are they? If yesterday's report that 300 Foxconn workers were forced to negotiate by threatening group suicide is true, the term slave labor isn't being used loosely. It's fitting. When the PS3 first launched in 2006, the initial consoles were made in Japan, leading to some gamers in both Japan and the West to point this out. The console is no longer being made domestically, something that gamers have pointed out as well. In general, the cost of manufacturing is cheaper in China. But if it's not so complex, it can be made at China at a lower cost. And then they go on to kind of debate the benefits of Japan versus China um, to see if one is more has a more quality product versus the other. But it was kind of an interesting point, I guess, that people are being more discriminating about the consoles that they're buying and flipping them over to see where they're from and uh, kind of making a statement about about that. So kind of interesting that people were paying attention to that sort of thing, trying to make sure that the workers in China are treated fairly and that there is no reason, according to this article, that with the Japanese yen at historic highs, that some products could not be made in Japan um, and maybe Microsoft will do the same for gaming consoles. So interesting article all around. Let's move on to CES since I've already kind of commented on uh, the tablet that was from there, the Project Fiona. There were some other interesting things to come out of there. One of them was the Ion wireless controller. Uh, it works through a Bluetooth connection and brings that gaming feel to a PC, so they say, so that some of us who are playing on our keyboards can have a little bit more of a console feel, I guess, giving you a div- an advantage over other opponents who are just using their mouse and WAD keys. Also, there is the Flex headset, which is very portable, so they say. Um, supposed to be a little bit lighter than some of the other uh, headsets you might have. It has a quick disconnect cable system, and you can swap it between your PC and mobile devices. 
And it's customizable as well with your plates that kind of pop in and out. The Kana mouse, which is supposedly designed by gamers, is a mid-sized, mid-range mouse that offers more than the Kinzu, but is not intense as the Sensei, so they say, on girlgamer.com. Speaking of that old mouse, they also list the old mouse, the Kenzu and Kenzu Pro Edition, which are also apparently excellent mice as well. So things that came out of CES gamer related. I feel really skeptical today. I keep uh, supposedly and not quite trusting the information that I'm finding on uh, some of these websites. Clearly, I do trust it. I'm just I'm just in a very skeptical mood. So I'm going to uh, skeptically say that these are good, according to other people. I have not personally tried them. I'm pretty happy with my Logitech headset and my Panatech headset, so I don't really, uh, haven't really tried something else recently, um, doing what they should be doing. It would be really great, though, speaking of headsets, if Skype came up with a way where it would integrate a little bit more effectively with other programs. Right now, let's say Star Wars The Old Republic as an example. Right now, if I if I am in Star Wars The Old Republic, I cannot get out of that game in order to adjust my settings on Skype without hitting the start key and having my game have to reload briefly when I come back in. Which is kind of annoying when you're talking to your friends and a cutscene happens and you'd like to listen to the cutscene and turn down your volume really quickly. So maybe you want to access just your desktop to turn your volume down in Skype or, or some other way. You'd like to go directly to Skype and turn your volume down on the call. There should be some sort of a panel you would think with Skype that they would, they would have that you could be in a game. World of Warcraft was much more intuitive in that way that even if you're in the game of World of Warcraft, I recall Skype being able to pop up on your screen and say you had a call where you could accept or decline. Um, and it was just easier to go in and out of the game without feeling like um, you were resetting the entire thing or having some sort of an interface, is- interface issue. But it would be nice, those who use Skype, maybe you know, of some way to be able to access Skype without actually having to, having to hit the start key and coming out of your game. I wonder if other people have that issue as well. Obviously, I could probably just use windowed mode and make it all easy on myself, which I've done before in World of Warcraft, but I've not found in Star Wars The Old Republic yet. So other than windowed mode, it'd be nice to find some sort of a interface between Skype and games. But anyway, enough of the headset Skype dilemma. <laughs> Mortal Kombat Complete will be coming out very soon. And what that is, is it includes the following warriors, Scarlet, Kenshi, Rain, and Freddy Krueger. And it was the fighting game of the year. It will have all of its previously released downloadable content and obviously Mortal Kombat itself. And so this will be available from Interactive Entertainment. So if you liked Mortal Kombat and you have always wanted all the downloadable content. Now you can get it all together in one box called Mortal Kombat Complete with a K. 
It will actually be available March 2nd on the PS3 and the Xbox 360. No information on the PC release date at this time. Okay, on to our main topic of the day. Relationships with and from developers to something other than games. Seeing CES and thinking about Sony and also Nintendo, the lack of perhaps Nintendo at the conference, I was thinking about Shigeru Miyamoto, who we all know is completely awesome, um, just listing the games that he's done, just beginning with Donkey Kong, which I think was kind of him cutting his teeth, all the way to Super Mario Brothers, Legend of Zelda, Octarina of Time, Ooh, also Metroid Prime, which we cannot forget, the Metroid series as well, Super Mario 64, the Wii, the DS, I mean, I could go on and on about all the awesome contributions he's made to gaming. Seeing him, hearing him, um, also learning a little bit more about his personal life and how he's kind of a success as far as developers who have met somebody and managed to have a successful relationship, even even though being a highly motivated, very successful, um, creative person who designs games. And I will tell you his story shortly as that success story, but first let's go to a couple other things. I've read a lot of articles in the past and recently, and I'm going to share a couple of them with you. One of them is the difficulty of game makers being committed to things other than their job because it's so demanding. Many of us, at least, have heard the story about EA Games and, and the uh, spouse who was very discontent with the 72-hour-a-week um, job that her husband, or his husband, it's not clear, was working. And uh, the, the letter that was written anonymously to kind of highlight the fact that there were was a lot of crunch time, a lot of unpaid overtime, and a lot of, I guess, dedication on the part of EA employees that were not being... Um, taken into consideration. Quality of life was definitely something that was discussed and kind of sparked by that letter. There have been other articles about um, game makers being married to their job, one of which I will quote, People regularly joke about forgetting their wives' names, but it's not funny, said one senior developer who asked that his name not be published. When I reread EA Spouse's article, it just hit me. And this article, who is by Alex Pram from the Los Angeles Times, goes on to say that because everyone who works in the game studio knows the hard work that comes with finishing games isn't unique to EA, um, that it's pretty common in many developers' lives. It said 60% questions said crunch periods were normal, 47% said they weren't compensated for overtime hours, and only 3% said their employers counted the hours they had worked, the overtime hours specifically. Also goes on to say that many companies do treat their workers very well. Um, not everyone is quite as difficult as that particular branch of EA at that time. They do give their workers free food, flowers, um, sent to spouses, things done to boost morale, that sort of thing, which also had backfired at certain points, and certain spouses were getting angry that they they really wanted the time with their mates rather than the gifts or the flowers. But I think that is a nice gesture from a company to do, knowing that they're going to um, be gone for a while and just kind of letting them know that they're aware that their employees are sacrificing their personal time to do this. Game of Sutra has also 
had an article about this by Shelley Warmoth called Don't Get Married. And she herself was, at the time that she wrote this article, in school to be a developer, a gaming developer as well. A question was asked to a panel of developers and, and instructors. What is the one thing you wish someone had told you before you entered the industry? And the first answer without hesitation was don't get married. This point of view isn't new, she says, and she goes on to, to talk about quality of life and saying that a lot of issues that developers have is that they don't have the time to spend three months getting to know someone because their career comes first. And they realize that it's not fair to someone that you just meet to ask them to to put up with the kind of short notice and small hours that they have to give to the kind of investing in a relationship. So a lot of people don't bother getting into one if they're a game, if they are a games developer. A lot of spouses are also going through divorce at any given time, she says. And she says, quote, this is no different than any other artist who practices their craft, and we do it because we love it, because it fires something within us. The difference seems to be that while a struggling or unsigned artist does most of that at home, a paid actor, musician, or game developer is away. This is probably a rude awakening for a spouse who is okay with having their partner there but not there, and now has to accept simply not there. We tried to prepare them for that, but the reality is still more than they expected. And then she goes on to propose a solution, which is kind of ironic and funny, that uh, saying that men outnumber women in the industry at the rate of 10 to 1, and that it would be a good thing for perhaps that to equalize for many reasons, one of which is that if there were an equal number of men and women, there would be a better pool for people who have like views and similar interests to perhaps pair up and have busy, productive lives together, is kind of what she's saying. And then she gives a bunch of tips to help to help if you are in a relationship and you're a developer or you're trying to get into one. And a couple of them are, she said, get your friends to create something for your significant other that's outside of your discipline and they'll cherish the thought as much as the widget. I do think that would be kind of neat. And I've talked to a couple of developers before where they've had special things created in a game um, for their family, like maybe their son's name or some sort of a special image that reminds them of home that they've put into a game. And I think that's really neat when your significant other does that kind of stuff that's really subtle and little and just kind of lets you know that they're thinking about you. I've had a couple things like that done for me, different servers named after me and stuff like that, which is really kind of touching to know that, you know, the other person's thinking about you and also kind of creepy to know that you have like a computer out there with your name on it, but <laughs> the thought, it's the thought that counts. She also suggests that you reconnect daily and no conversations about bills, the kids, or the job. And that's also definitely true. Now in this day and age where you have uh, mobile phones, you have iPads, tablets, all the rest of that, uh, Wi-Fi, everything else, there's no real reason why you can't at least be texting each other throughout the day and possibly chatting, which is also very useful, I find, personally. As someone who only sees, I only see Tinsy in two days a week, the rest of the time, uh, able to be chatting, and Skype is also very useful. Um for people that are away from each other or people that are close by in location but just can't uh, get together during scheduling. So also a suggestion from me, Skype is awesome. Um, her suggestion is put notes in unexpected places and hide them everywhere so that your spouse or significant other will find them later and when you least expect it, which is a very good tip if you are the sort of person who notices things. Unfortunately for me, um, there have been many notes and things left around and it's taken me like years to really notice that, <laughs> which is frustrating. I think for Tinsian to, 
to write something and then have it not noticed. Maybe that says something about my general state of organization. (laughs) She also says, shine around your partner's friends or family and open doors for everyone. Walk them to the door, do the little things that show off that they are the one you choose above all others, which is also a very good tip. So, nice article by Shelley Warmoth about trying to have a relationship and being a developer at the same time and her difficulties therein. So, having time that's not work-related is something I think everybody kind of has to different levels of difficulty. Definitely so. And developers, the ones I've spoken to, have kind of insane schedules and uh, really have maybe periods of time where they have to devote themselves entirely to their creative muse and don't really have time for outside interests. So, what do you think? Do you think that in that case, uh, it's fair to a a person to date other people if they don't have the time to invest in it? Or do you think it's one of those things where if someone really cares about you, they have to just understand that there's going to be uh, ebbs and flows to the time you can spend together, very similar to a doctor who works 80 hours a week. You know, when you date someone, it's just part of the the package, part of the price of admission to understand that this is their career and that's something about them. So if you choose them, you choose their career. So thoughts on that. Now, I promised you the conclusion of the Shigeru Miyamoto story and how he is kind of the representation of a person who has managed to be a games developer and an awesome games developer and still have some sort of a personal life. So here's his story. Uh, Miyamoto married Yasuku Miyamoto, uh, who at the time was a secretary working for Nintendo. And the funny thing about that is she actually really disliked video games, but was working, you know, as a secretary, so she didn't really have anything to do with the video games, but she was there at Nintendo. And Shigeru claims to use this disinterest in video games as kind of a gauge or what he calls a wife-o-meter to see if he is creating a game that is enjoyable by everybody. Because if she likes it, then anybody would like it. This is kind of an example of someone who has been successful in meeting somebody who is at the same company, but in a very different aspect of that company. And also an example of two completely polar opposites and finding common ground between the two of you. For her part, she is generous enough to play his games and to appreciate his games, even though she is not a general fan of games. And for his part, he is creating games specifically tailored to appeal to her as the, (laughs) I guess you could call it the least common denominator, which is a really neat middle ground, I think. They also have two children, um, both of whom are not interested in video games as far as developing. And he has said actually in the past, that he's very strict about the time allowed for his children to play video games. An interesting collaboration of two people who have formed a relationship. So there is your example of a successful relationship of a developer and somebody else who is sort of in a similar industry and managing to make that work. I'm sure there are many others.
As far as personal news of the week and things that I'm doing lately, I'd have to say mostly Star Wars The Old Republic. I know we've spoken about that before. I have recently closed my World of Warcraft account because I'm just not playing enough to feel the justification of paying for the the monthly fee. And I plan to go back to that maybe closer to the launch of the Pandaria expansion. I know Tenzian, who's on his like 52nd faction or something like that, probably does his dailies and things like that. But I sort of am invested, I guess, right now in Star Wars The Old Republic. And <laughs> one of the things about Star Wars The Old Republic that I think is kind of amusing is the dialogue choices. There are many times where you'll go into a cutscene and you'll have, you know, three basic choices, let's say. You'll have the yes option, you'll have the um, kind of threatening option where you, you say, well, you better not do that kind of threatening option, or you'll have the flat out, I'm not interested in what you're saying option. And they're very vague, and if you've ever played Mass Effect, you probably understand this phenomenon, but I'm going to call it the Bioware phenomenon, which is where you go to choose an option, let's say, let's say, and I'll give you one of the scenarios I've been in recently, let's say you have a senator that you're talking to, and in my case, I was a Sith marauder, and I'm talking to this senator, and he is not giving me the information that I would like him to give me or being as helpful as I would like him to be. So one of the options is I try to kind of smooth talk him with, I just say, yes, my option that I can click on is, you know, come on, you can tell me. And the the middle kind of threatening option is you better tell me or else. And the lower option, the no is I don't care if you tell me I'm doing what I want anyway. So let's say I click yes, you know, yes, come on, you know, you can tell me. Very often, the actual dialogue that your character says is nothing like the option you have to choose from. So, you know, you say, come on, you can tell me, or in this case, it would just say yes. And your character pulls out a lightsaber, runs up to the senator and says, yes, you can tell me. Your character uses her force powers, grabs the person by the back, and tries to mentally manipulate him into spilling any information he has ever had by coercion and, you know, pretty much draining his mind of, of anything that could be useful until uh, the person has nothing left to say to you. And I'm left feeling like, well, when I tried to persuade him when I said, you can tell me, that's not quite what I was thinking. Or the middle option would be, you know, the threatening option. And in that, you would say, tell me or else I'm going to come in here and I'm going to kill every single one of your guards and I'm going to rip off the heads of all of your robots and I'm going to burn your house down and then I'm going to eradicate the planet from space with a huge missile. And then you kind of look at yourself and you go, I don't think I said that. I just think I said I wasn't going to help you or, you know, or else. I don't, I don't recall threatening like your family and your heritage and everyone around you and the planet itself. And I mean, a lot of the, the options sometimes have very little to do with the, the choices of dialogue. And, and that's always funny to me that, you know, you never quite know what you're going to say, even though you click yes, no, maybe. Um, what comes out of your character's mouth is far different from from the actuality of what your character says. So it's always kind of a surprise. 
another game that's coming up in February that there's been a lot of talk about recently is the Kingdoms of Amalur Reckoning. And this is available for pre-order right now. It is a single-player role-playing video game. It's going to be out for the PS3, the Xbox 360, and the PC as well. And the thing that's kind of neat about this game itself is that the lead designer of the Elder Scrolls, um, Morrowind and Oblivion, is the person who has is the game's executive designer. So for me, the game looks very similar to like a Skyrim or an Oblivion. It has a kind of a feel that I'm familiar with. Um, also, the person who created the universe where this game occurs is R.A. Salvatore, which if you know anything about the Forgotten Realms, many, many books series, um, R.A. Salvatore is an author of that. One of my favorite characters he's ever written is Drist and his whole um, dark elf legacy, I guess you would say. And another guy who is on the team here as well is Todd McFarlane, who is the guy who created Spawn, and he's doing the artwork. So we kind of have an amalgamation here of like Skyrim and Spawn. It's kind of a neat looking game. There were some um, PAX demonstrations of this game as well where people could see. But a little bit more about it. It will have um, four playable races and three classes and five different areas on the map where you can play different regions. The playable races are the Almian, which are the humans, the Dakalfar, the Dark Elves, <laughs> the Low Salfar, the Light Elves, and the Verani, and I'm sure I'm butchering all these names, the Verani, the Nomadic Humans. So we have Noble Humans, Nomadic Humans, Light Elves, Dark Elves, and then the obvious classes, you know, your sort of mage, your tanks, and they call them finesse, which is your DPS. And again, as many games we've had in Oblivion and any kind of uh, Elder Scrolls game, your player starts off with a blank slate where they wake up in a pile of corpses. There's no jail, apparently. We'll have to wait and see if there's a jail involved because we know how they love to do that. But you wake up and get to form your own, I guess you would say, individual person based on those those things that we just talked about. There are plans to expand the Alamar universe into an MMO after the release of Reckoning, but as of right now, it is a single-player game. So this should be kind of neat. Um, there's been some hype about it, and it's by 38 Studios and Big Huge Games, and EA is the publisher. Something to look forward to in February. Not a whole lot of other gaming news happening right now. Personally, I think everybody's just kind of recovering from the holiday and uh, and playing all the games they bought on the Steam sale and Humble Bundle games. So, not much to talk about right now. I'm going to try to get some people on to speak with us again in the next couple of months um, when things die down a little bit here at work. Thank you for joining me. And if you'd like to leave some feedback or keep up with the news, and I'd love to have some stories and tips and help like I had this week, you can find me on Twitter at Gray Area Podcast, at Facebook slash Gray Area Podcast, or on iTunes. If you have any gray areas in your relationships or need a new perspective, email me your questions, advice, or suggestions to genesegray at yahoo.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week with a new episode.